So if you're our guest today, or if you hadn't been here in a, in a week or a couple of weeks, we are uh, in a series, a study on the book of Hebrews. So this is week four and week one. I laid the foundation for this series by giving you some background of this book. And then I gave you an overview of the book of Hebrews. Week two, we saw clearly how Jesus is greater than angels. We also saw the first of five warnings that the writer of Hebrews gives us about drifting away uh, from the word of God. And then last week, we saw how Christ is greater than Moses. It's also, we also saw the second of these five warnings about drifting away from the word. And I, uh, I subtitled last week an encouragement uh, to remain faithful, to remain faithful to the Lord, remain faithful to his word and in serving him. So today, uh, the writer of Hebrews, again, we're breaking this down into sections, as you can tell. Now, as we go further on towards the, as we keep going, second half of the series, we're going to really be breaking it down chapter by chapter. But we're looking at it the way that the writer wrote. Uh, it's in sections that we're doing it. So today we're going to look at the fact that Jesus Christ is our perfect high priest. Jesus Christ is our perfect high priest. As I mentioned before, uh, these Hebrew Christians that this letter was written to uh, were tempted to go back into their old religion of Judaism. And they would have been very well familiar with priest and high priest. Uh, that's how they grew up worshiping God, right? So any Jew you see could have traveled uh, to uh, Jerusalem. There, it looks like that this letter was written to the Christians in Rome, in Italy. They could have traveled to Jerusalem and still the temple was still standing. This temple was still in operation. They could see the priests still offering sacrifices at the altar. It was something that was real and visible to them. So see, like us today, when a person's going through persecution like these Hebrew Christians were, it's much easier to walk by sight than by faith. But the Bible tells us to walk by faith, not by sight, right? And so that's why he was encouraging them. You know, we, we, we saw before early in the series that the persecution was severe. They were literally getting thrown to the lions. Christians were getting thrown to the lions in Rome when the most oppressive, one of the most oppressive, oppressive emperors, Nero, at the time. Uh, and so, uh, you know, today, though, people even have doubted the Lord, have walked through the Lord and doubted him under way less persecution than that. So I'm trying to encourage you to continue to remain faithful as well. Really, the central theme of Hebrews is the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So the writer makes it clear that Christ Jesus is his high priest ministry is superior than that of Aaron. We looked at he was superior to angels and Moses. Now the writer is telling us that his high priestly ministry in heaven is superior than that of Aaron or any other priest that came after him. Remember, they would have, this would have made sense because they, they knew about priests and high priests in, in, in their Jewish religion. So the writer proves this point by presenting four facts here. We're going to look at that this morning. Number one, Jesus Christ has a superior title than any other high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. So then, since we have a great high priest, everybody say great. A great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faces all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Come on, let's ask the Lord to help us right now. Lord, we do need your help. Lord, we thank you for your word. As we read last week, your word is living, true, active, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. So, Lord, I need your help as I preach this uh, word today. I cannot do it on my own, nor do I want to. Holy Spirit, would you help me today and help us all to receive it and give us that grace, Lord God, that we need Lord, to apply it to our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Aaron was a high priest. 
but Jesus Christ is the great high priest. No other priest or high priest in the Old Testament could assume that title. What does our Lord's greatness consist of? Well, to begin with, he's, Jesus is both God and man, right? We know that. We've seen that clearly, right? He's both the Son of God and the Son of Man. The name Jesus means the Lord saves or the Lord is our salvation, and it identifies his humanity with his ministry here on earth. Now, Son of God affirms the fact, uh, affirms his deity in the fact that he is God. Jesus unites deity and humanity so that he can bring people to God and bring to people all that God has for them. Come on, I'm trying to encourage you each and every day to receive all that God has for you, like victory, amen? Victory is not just for part of the church. Victory is for everybody, amen? That's part of what he died for to give us is that victory. Jesus Christ is not only great in his person, but his position. See, Aaron and his successors uh, ministered in the tabernacle in, temp- in the temple once a year, entering the Holy of Holies. But Hebrews 4.14 says that Jesus Christ has entered heaven. Now, the literal translation means passed through the heavens. See, he actually, when he, when he ascended after his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, he ascended to the Father. When he did that, Jesus passed through the atmospheric heavens and the planetary heavens into the third heaven where God dwells. We see Paul talks about this third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12 too. Paul says, I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Right? So there's, there's, we, we look at the heaven as like looking at the stars, but this is what's considered the third heaven. And that's what he's making clear that he ascended to. How much better to have a high priest who ministers in a heavenly tabernacle than an earthly one? And that's what he was trying to tell these Hebrews. Hey, you can still go to the temple and see the earthly priest, but we got a heavenly priest, a great high priest, a perfect priest now. And another aspect of Christ's position is not only that he's in heaven, but remember, we've been looking at it, he's enthroned. I want to read Hebrews 4.16 in the New King James. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. See, the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant was God's throne in Israel. You find that in Exodus 25. But it could never be called a throne of grace. See, the common people were not permitted to enter to holy, the holy sections of the temple or the tabernacle. And the priests could only go as far as the veil. They could only go, the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And that was on the Day of Atonement. And that's found in Leviticus chapter 16. The good news this morning, saints, is that every believer in Christ is invited, invited and encouraged to come boldly to the throne of grace. We, we have a great throne we can approach, and it's because of our great high priest who's ministering there. Amen? Jesus Christ is our great high priest, and he's enthroned in heaven at this throne of grace. Something else about him makes him great. He's ministering both mercy and grace. How many of y'all are thankful for both, right? Mercy means God didn't give us what we do deserve. We all deserve punishment, consequence, eternal damnation, but he gave us instead salvation, right? And, and so he didn't give us what we didn't, what we did deserve, and he gives us grace, which is what we don't deserve, right? We were destined for hell. He spared us from that. That's mercy. And he grants us heaven, and that's grace, right? So when an Israelite was tempted, he could not easily run to the high priest for help, and he certainly could not enter The Holy of Holies for God's help, as I just mentioned, because only the high priest can go in there once a year. But as believers in Jesus, we can run to our great high priest at any time, in any circumstance, church, and find help when we need it most. 
And how often can we do that? Well, the verb translated let us come could, could be translated to indicate ongoing action, actually meaning let us continuously come. So like you might have came to the altar this morning and, and, and got prayer. And like, and that's a good, I mean, obviously this is just a stage made of wood and whatnot, but I think it is symbolic when you come down to the altar and you get prayer, like you're coming to Jesus. But he says you can continuously come. It's not just on Sunday morning. Some of us maybe grew up in denominations where you train, you go to God once a week on Sunday morning. And you go deal with, with your business with God. No, it's a continuous thing, right? And that's what's awesome. His, his grace doesn't run out. His mercies are new every morning. And the Bible even talks about he has a greater grace that he offers us. Our great and compassionate high priest, Jesus, has opened the way to his people to continuously enter God's presence boldly. Amen? And that's what the picture is, the tabernacle and the temple. The Holy of Holy is where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where his presence reside. But we can boldly come to his presence, into his presence each and every day. It ain't got to be on Sunday morning in a church building. It could be on Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, wherever you are. Amen? No trial is too great. No temptation is too strong that Jesus Christ can't give us the mercy and grace to help us when we need it. The most. And here's why. Hebrews 4.15 says that this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same test things we do, yet he did not sin. When he was ministering on earth in a human body, Jesus experienced all that we experience and even more. Christ was tempted, yet he did not sin. And because of that, he is able to help us when we are tempted. You know, you probably know this. It's easier to walk with somebody and to help somebody if you've been through it yourself, if you've been through something yourself. There's certain, certain things I can sympathize with you on, certain things I can empathize with. Empathize means I've actually walked through it. And there's other things I can't, right? We have certain pastors and people on staff that if, if, if certain tragedies have hit people or people are walking through trials, I'll send them to one of them because, yeah, I can pray for them and love on them, but they can actually look them in their eyes and say, I know exactly what you're going through, right? And so that's what Jesus is saying. He, he knows exactly what we're going through. And he can, unlike us, who could just help, you know, a little bit, ultimately help point them to Jesus, he can help us fully. And we'll look at that in, in, in a little bit more detail in a minute. So number one, Jesus Christ has a superior title than any of the other high priests. Number two, Jesus Christ has a superior ordination. Hebrews 5.1, it says, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. Now drop down to verse 4. We'll come back to verses 2 and 3 in, in the next couple of points. Hebrews 5, 4 through 6. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, you are my son. Today I've become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. No man or woman can, could, no man at that time could appoint himself as priest, much less high priest. Just like no man or woman can appoint themselves to any ministry today. You must be called or chosen by God. But let's look at Old Testament examples of, of some men that tried to act like priests. In 1 uh, Samuel 13, King Saul invaded the priesthood and he lost his kingdom. He took uh, on upon himself something that was not, he was not ordained to do and he lost the whole kingdom because of it. And in number 16, Korah and his fellow rebels tried to make themselves priests and God judged them. 
And in 2 Chronicles 26, when King Uzziah tried to enter the temple and burn incense, God struck him with leprosy. God doesn't take that lightly, right? Certain people are called and ordained to do certain things. And we see Jesus was ordained to be our great high priest. See, Aaron was chosen by God. We know that. Um, But he was also ordained and he was installed into that office. His main task was to offer sacrifices at the altar of God that, that God had appointed. Unless the sacrifices were offered at the right place by the right person, they were not accepted by God. See, this shows us the very existence of a, existence of a priesthood back then in a system of sacrifice. It gave evidence that, that men, human beings, you and I, were estranged from God. The Bible says our sin separated us from God. So God made a, a sacrificial system to try to reconcile us through his grace. Today, this system is fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He is both the sacrifice and the high priest who ministers to God's people on the basis of his once and for all sacrifice on the cross. Amen. This subject of our nation will read that we read in 5.1 is further developed in verses 5 and 6. Jesus Christ did not appoint himself as a high priest. He was appointed by the father. The quotation in Hebrews 5, 5 we just read, you are my son. Today I have become your father is from Psalm 20, uh, 20, I mean, Psalm 2, 7, the Psalm we already quoted in Hebrews 1, 5 to prove that Jesus is the son of God. But now the emphasis is on the priesthood of Jesus. See, he ascended to heaven in a glorified body to become our high priest at the throne of grace. When Aaron was ordained for the priesthood, he offered the sacrifices of animals. But Jesus Christ became the great high priest and he offered the sacrifice of himself And not only did he offer the sacrifice, but even greater than any other thing, he rose from the dead. And that's what made him the great high priest, right? That's what sealed. That's why he's actively the high priest now in heaven, because he rose and ascended. Amen? And then God the Father not only said, you are my son, he also says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is a quote from Psalm 110.4. The psalm is, uh, this psalm was already quoted in Hebrews 1.13 earlier to affirm Jesus' final victory over all his enemies. That's why as we sang and we prayed about this morning that he's given his victory over all of our enemies. As born-again, spirit-filled believers, we don't have to walk in bondage to the enemy. Amen? We don't have to walk. And, and, and with strongholds in our lives, we can be set free and we can walk in victory. Amen? So two factors made Christ's priesthood unique and therefore his our nation greater. First, he's a high priest forever. No other Old Testament priest ministered forever because, of course, when they died, they would relinquish their office to a successor. The word forever is important here in this epistle because at least six times the writer affirms that Christ's high priesthood was forever. And since he is our priest forever, he offers people salvation forever. And those of us that are his people, we have his salvation forever. Amen? It's not just temporary. It's not, no, it's an eternal salvation because he is a priest forever. The second factor that makes Christ our nation unique is that he belongs to a different order than the Old Testament priests. They belong to the order of Aaron, the first high priest. He belongs to the order of Melchizedek. This is a key concept in Hebrews. So let's take a little bit of time to examine it and understand it here. Melchizedek is mentioned only two places in the entire uh, Old Testament. Genesis 14, 17 through 24, and Psalm 110, verse 4. His name, Melchizedek, it means king of righteousness. It also means king of Salem, which means peace. So king of righteousness and king of peace. Both 
Uh, but the fascinating thing about this, about Melchizedek, is that he was both a priest and a king. See, remember, King Uzziah wanted to be both a priest and a king, and he was judged by God for it. Only Jesus Christ in this pre-law Melchizedek, where these two offices were combined. Jesus Christ is the high priest sitting as a king of king on his throne as well, right? See, this is the reason Jesus can be a priest forever, because he belongs to this order of Melchizedek. As far as the Old Testament recorded, Melchizedek never died. So Melchizedek becomes a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's a uh, priest forever. But Melchizedek also pictures our Lord as a heavenly priest. Jesus Christ could have never served as priest on earth because he wasn't from the line of Levi. The, the priest, high priest came from, they were the Levitical priests. They came from the line of Levi. He came from the line uh, of David, right, from Judah. So when he became, when he rose from the dead and entered heaven is when he became our great high priest. When he sacrificed himself on earth, that's when he assumed, rose from the dead and assumed his position. Now I just kind of hit on this. All these truths will be developed more in Hebrews chapter 7 through 10. We'll talk about them more, Melchizedek as well, uh, but just wanted to introduce it to you today. Number three, Jesus Christ offers us superior sympathy. Now, we hit on this earlier, and this is really what I want to dig in on, and I just feel like the Lord connected it for me this morning after our time of prayer. Now this, Hebrews 5, 2, and he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. Drop down to verses 7 and 8. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who would rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience to the, through the things he suffered. See, every Old Testament high priest had to minister to people who were ignorant. And wayward. Now, you know, for years we've used the word ignorant as a put down, but ignorant just means lack of knowledge because they didn't know or they did go wayward. See, back then God made no provision, but only judgment for, for sins of rebellion when people knew what was right and they rebelled against themselves. But now he makes provision when people sin through ignorance and weakness. See, an Old Testament priest could identify with sinners since he was a sinner himself. In fact, on the Day of Atonement, as I mentioned, where he went into the Holy of Holies, he actually had to offer a sacrifice for himself first before he started offering sacrifices for other people. Hebrews 5, 3 says, and that is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sin as well as theirs. You would think that one sinner would have compassion on another, but especially in our day and age, and even back then, that's not always the case. See, sin makes a person selfish and self-righteous. Sin can blind us of the hurts of others. Sin can harden our hearts and make us judgmental to people instead of sympathetic. Right? We, we may think, man, we see somebody struggling with something and we begin to judge them and condemn them and we're hard on them because we don't deal with that certain sin. Well, what about this sin you got over here you're dealing with? What about the other struggles you may have in your life or that you did that, that I, that I used to struggle with, right? We all have a bent towards, you would think we can sympathize better, but sometimes it actually makes it worse. But it's also, again, because we, we, we live in a fallen, broken and sinful world, right? There's, there's, there's a couple of Old Testament examples. If you remember 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a lady named Hannah who was heartbroken because she was barren and couldn't have children. She's crying out to the Lord, praying to the Lord in the temple. And the high priest, Eli, comes to her and says, 
Will you really come to the temple drunk? He accused her of being drunk. And he said, no, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm crying out to the Lord. And she told him why. And he said, okay, well, in that case, since you're not drunk and you're praying, may the Lord do whatever what, what you, you, you believe in for him to do. And she ended up getting pregnant and having a baby who became the great prophet Samuel. In 2 Samuel 12, King David was confronted with a story and it was a parable about a man who was rich and had many sheep. And, and, and he had a friend come in town. And there was this one little poor man that had one sheep. And the king, I mean, this man instead went get that poor man's sheep, slaughtered it and brought it uh, for a meal. And David was infuriated. And he jumps up and says, any man like that should die. And the prophet told him, that man is you, David, because he had just sinned with Bathsheba and had her husband killed to try to cover it up. And so you see, even in the parable to point out his sin, he was judging another man and he had gross sin in life. That's a great picture of what still happens today. Or we're judgmental and we're hard and critical on people when they're struggling. We need the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so we can sympathize with our other brothers and sisters when they're struggling. It don't mean we're condoning sins. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about when people are struggling. They know they they got sin in their lives and they're trying to get right. Look what Galatians 6, 1 says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, and explains what does spiritual mean? That is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. That's usually what gets people in trouble right there. That self-righteousness. Keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Amen. Not only is it is it wrong for us to judge other brothers and sisters in their sin, because here, here's the deal. Here's the, the root of it. We have a perfect high priest. Nobody else on this planet is perfect. You may have never, never will struggle with that sin your brother's dealing with, your sister's dealing with, but you're not perfect either. You got issues in your life. So do I, myself, right? I, I'm, I'm not... And, and, and if we remember that, and we, with the Holy Spirit's help, the Bible encourages us to restore brothers and sisters, not throw them away. You know, I think it was William Booth that said, uh, uh, the, the, the army of God's the only army that shoots their wounded. Think about that. The God that started, that, that's his name, right? That started Salvation Army, right? And so, and think about that. We're the only army on the planet that shoots their wounded instead of trying to bandage them up and heal them. Come on, church. We gotta stop. We gotta put our guns away and take our bandages out. And try to help and try to restore those. Again, those that are wanting to be restored. I'm not talking about people that's wayward in rebellion and in willful sin. I'm talking about those that I know they're struggling and they're, and, and, and they need help. Amen. But see, because we're so sinful, we have a hard time helping other sinners, but Jesus is perfect and he's able to meet our needs even after we sin because he already has. He died for our sins past, present and future, right? Amen. Hebrews 5, 7 tells us that the Lord was prepared for his high priestly ministry during his days of ministry here on earth. See, from birth, our Lord again experienced every aspect of human nature except for sin. He knew what it was to grow and to mature, to experience hunger and thirst, as well as weariness and discouragement. He also faced temptations and persecutions from the hands of sinful men. And again, y'all, whenever we, whenever we get this, and going back to victory, this is where I feel like the Lord's tied it in. I think some people maybe not, doesn't walk in that victory because they think the Lord's getting exasperated with them. They think that, that man, I, I've come with the same issue over and over again. If you were like me, you might have grew up where, where like, you know, your parents, you know, you, you keep messing up and your parents find like, man, you did this again? 
When you when you gonna be when you gonna be done with this? I thought we'd be over this by now. But thankfully, Jesus sympathizes with us. He don't get exasperated with us. Amen. Hebrews five seven. Again, the focus here on five in, in the verse five. I'm sorry, verse seven focuses on the Lord's uh, agonizing experience in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion. Let's read it again. Five seven. Hebrews five seven. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. See, as he faced the cross, it was not just the physical suffering that burdened Jesus, but the fact that he would carry the sins of all mankind and be separated from the Father for a moment. We can't even wrap our brains around that. Not just the close to 8 billion people that are living on the world now. Think about all the sins of every person that ever lived before him and after him, he was going to carry on that cross that day. In his prayer, though, even then, he did not oppose the Father's will, but prayed in Luke twenty-two forty-two, not my will, but your will be done. Now listen, this is interesting. This is powerful. Jesus was not praying to be spared from death. Did you know that? He wasn't praying to be spared from death, but to be saved out of death. What do I mean by that? He was praying for the resurrection from the dead. And that's the prayer God answered. Watch, I'll show you. He already had prophesied knowing he would die, and he made it clear that he would lay down his life with his own free will. The writer of Hebrews states that, that uh, Jesus' prayer was heard by the Father. That word heard actually means answered. His prayer was answered by the Father. And since he died on the cross, this could not have been what he was praying about. For the Father answered it, the Bible says. No, he would be crucified. God answered his prayer by raising him from the dead. Amen? Again, he's won the victory. The power of death no longer has any hold on him nor us. Amen? That's the prayer he was agonizing and praying about. No one ever died a death like Jesus did, and no one ever will. He experienced the ultimate in suffering, and therefore he was able to sympathize with us when we're suffering. See, it doesn't matter what trials you face, what trials you're going through right now. Jesus Christ is able to understand your needs, and he helps you. He helps us. We should never doubt his ability to sympathize with us or to strengthen us. Amen? He knows exactly where you're at. Also, again, there's times where the Lord will allow you to go through difficult times so we can better understand the needs of others and be able to encourage him. I've said that many times. I think this is a huge part of my ministry. People have asked me, for, like, for example, for my mom. Man, why your mom being one of the most sweetest, kindest, influential? I mean, just helped so many people at this church. Why did she have to suffer the way she did? And they asked me, like, I have the answer. And my answer is always the same. I don't know. But I know this, and I believe this. That, you know what, everything I've been through and, and, and many other things, it has helped me in the ministry God has called me to. Because I can sympathize with people. I can look them in the eye. People that have lost their moms, cancer, from suicide to tragic drug deaths, all that stuff in just my immediate family. I could understand. And because of that, I'm thankful. And so I want to encourage you today. You may be going through a trial in your life right now, or you have gone through trials and you're struggling with some things that you still don't make sense. You still don't understand. Look at it not from a, no more from just a why did this happen, but God, how can you use this for your glory? How can you use this to help other people? Right? And it, this is part, Jesus went through all of this. I mean, think about it. He was already in heaven on his throne. He helped create the universe. 
And he came down, wrapped himself in flesh, went through all these emotions, all these struggles, and then was tortured, beaten, and carried the sins of the world on. Why? So he can sympathize with us. We, we, we focus a lot on just because, so he, we knew, we, we saw last week, he, to take away the sins of the world, he had to be fully God and fully man. But no, now we're at a point where he's helping us in our day-to-day life. And he was willing to do all of that and go through all of this stuff so he can better help us. I think we should do the same. Be willing. We're going to, listen, if you don't already know, you're going to go through it anyway. Right? We're going to go through the trials of life. We're going to go through suffering. We're going to go through struggles. We might as well. And it's a process. I'm, and look, and I'm not minimizing. I always want to say and clarify. I'm not minimizing what you're going through. I'm not minimizing what, what you're You've been through what you're going through right now. I understand it's hard. It's suffering. The Lord wants to help you. But listen, change that perspective from why me to Lord glorify yourself and through this. Amen. Verse 8, it says that he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus was not disobedient. It doesn't, it's not alluding to him being disobedient before he suffered, but he walked his human path of experience all the way to his death on the cross in complete submission to the Father's will. And we're called to travel that same path. Amen? And again, I just want to encourage you before I read this moving forward. Maybe you don't have victory because you you forget that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. Boldly. Remember, continuously. It's a verb that means to keep coming, not just come one time. But don't think you might have had parents like maybe like a a dad like I had that seemed exasperated with your mistakes. Remember, Jesus is not exasperated. He's waiting to help you. And he says you can come boldly and continuously. And again, I just think about when, you know what, I don't know about you. It used to go try to knock on your parents' door. Especially if you didn't know if they were taking a nap. Like if my dad was taking a nap, it was like waking a grizzly bear, right? So sometimes you'd tiptoe around and like barely knock on the door and see if he's... No, he says boldly come, right? Our God never sleeps. He ain't taking a nap, right? We can boldly come to the throne as some of you did this morning each and every day. So again, we're called to live though and travel the same path Jesus did when we know this is part of God's will to glorify him, part of our purpose in life to make a difference. Look what Hebrews, we're going to jump over to chapter 12 uh, as just, just to confirm this before we get to our last point. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. And let us run with endurance the race God has before us. Now, we wouldn't need endurance if it would be easy. Okay, only a couple of y'all got that. We wouldn't need endurance if the race was easy. If the race wasn't long, it's how me and me and Blue were talking about this uh, this morning, right? The race of life, we need endurance because it's long. It could be hard, right? But he says to run the race that God has, has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. We've been talking about this for weeks. Think of all the hostility he endured. From sinful people. Why? So then you won't become weary and give up. When you're going through the weariness of trials, of suffering, focus on Jesus. Focus on our perfect great high priest. Remember he went through all the kind of suffering from sinful people. And to be honest, some of the stuff we suffer is our own fault. We talked about that. It's because of our own doing. Jesus suffered things and none of it was his fault. He was perfect. And yet he still endured the suffering that he went through. Because the joy set before him, which is you and I, to spend eternity with him, right? 
And, and, and the joy set before us is I believe uh, we can liken this to our calling, our purpose, making a difference. It gives me a great joy to be able to help people. Would I have picked to walk through all those tragedies? Absolutely not. But I'm so thankful for what God's called me to do. He's ordained me to do. I can walk with people and, and, and try to help them. And ultimately, the best way you help people is by leading them to the perfect high priest. To the one who, you can sympathize, but we still can't sympathize like him. We still got to point, I encourage you, point them to Jesus in the thick of it. You continue to look at Jesus so you won't get weary and give up. Amen? Fourth and final thing today, Jesus Christ offered a superior sacrifice. And we've been talking about this all through because this is obviously we get into the atonement of Jesus and and how he redeemed us and paid for us with his blood. Hebrews 5, 8, and 10. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as perfect, as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This topic has already been touched on, and the writer of Hebrews discusses it in detail in Hebrews chapters 9 and 10. But two important matters are involved here before we close. The first is that Jesus did not need to offer any sacrifices for himself, unlike the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Since Jesus is the sinless, spotless Son of God and Lamb of God and was in perfect fellowship with the Father, he didn't need any cleansing of his own. The second matter is that the Lord's sacrifice was once and for all, whereas the Old Testament sacrifices had to be repeated. And remember, that's why he was encouraging these Hebrew Christians not to go back. You don't want to go back to a high priest that's going to have to continue to sacrifice animals for you every year. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is, it is finished once and for all. Last sacrifice to be made for all time, for all eternity was the sinless, spotless lamb on the cross that day. Also, those sacrifices of the Old Testament priests, the Old Testament high priests would only cover sin. They couldn't wash sins away. They would only cover them. And it required the spotless Lamb of God to, to, for our sin to be cleansed and to be removed, right? See, that's another thing about the difference between us and Jesus. As we'll walk with people, we help people, we try to forgive people, uh, you know, and we, we, we say we forget their wrongs, and then we get mad at them in a fight, and we pull them back up and throw it in their face. Y'all laughing because I know it's true, right? You've done that too, right? And that's why the Bible tells us love, true love, agape love doesn't keep a record of wrong. And that's what the blood of Jesus does. It doesn't just cover it. It washes away. When he says, I will re remember your sin no more, it doesn't mean that he can't remember it. He knows exactly what we did. Rem I can't remember it means that he won't hold it against us anymore. It's been washed away. It's been, it's been blotted out from, from it being held against us. Again, because he was the sinless, eternal son of God, he offered a perfect sacrifice. I love this. Jesus Christ is qualified to be the source of eternal salvation. He's the only one in all history that's qualified to offer eternal salvation for us. No Old Testament priest could ever offer this. Neither could any other person that ever walked this planet. The phrase perfect actually means, perfect high priest means made complete. By the means of his earthly sufferings, Jesus was equipped for his heavenly ministry as our perfect high priest. Just remember, church, he is able to save, sanctify, and strengthen his people. Amen? Amen. So I don't know where you are today. A couple questions as we close. You, you may be in one of these three places. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're walking through sanctification right now. 
which is a lifelong process after we get saved, where we become more like Christ. Part of the discipleship process is the sanctification process. Part of that, what we talked about, the Holy Spirit softening our hearts and leading us to not be judgmental, but to help and be compassionate when brothers and sisters fall, right? That's part of the sanctification process. Or maybe you still, you're struggling and you need to be strengthened. Again, maybe you haven't been walking in that victory because you haven't fully understand how much Jesus sympathizes with us. But first and foremost, maybe your greatest need today is you need to be saved, is you need to be born again. Remember, Jesus was the only one qualified to offer eternal life to us. When we die, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Either eternal salvation and glorious, uh, you know, the presence of the Lord are in hell cut off from God. Again, hell was never made for humans. It was made for the devil and his demons. But people go there from that rebellious, not just from, from, from ignorance, from straight up rebellious, refusing to believe the Lord and putting their trust and their faith in him. Where would you spend eternity? Where will you spend it if today was your last day? Would you bow your head with me, close your eyes, even those watching online right now? If you say, Brandon, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know where I would spend my eternity. When I breathe my last here, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm born again. Remember, so many people over the years, different religions, different, uh, different philosophers and myths on how to get to heaven and, and Jesus is the only one qualified. No man can go to the Father except through Him. The writer of Hebrews is making this clear through all of these sections, especially today. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure, man. I don't know where I would end up if I died, but I want to know. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, that's me, man. I need, to be, I need to be born again. I need to get right with the Lord. I see your hand, young man. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, it says, boldly come to the throne. Come on, be bold today. As this young man is, right? Anybody else say, that's me, man. I need to get right. I need, I need to, I see your hand over here. Praise God. Hand's still going up. Thank you, Jesus. Even if you're watching at LPCC, I can't see with the Lord again. Come on, be bold wherever you're at, in your pod or wherever you're watching right now. Amen. Come on, let's pray as a family. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Can we all pray this together? Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for sympathizing with my weakness. Now, Lord, I know I've sinned, and I repent of my sin. I turn to you, and I surrender my life into your hands. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now, give me the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to live for you and glorify you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate and rejoice with these this morning? Amen. Those of you that made that decision, you can fill out a connection card in the chair right in front of you. We've got a Bible for you uh, in the info center. My wife and I would like to meet you. Uh, I encourage you to jump in the next steps right after. Remember, this is just the beginning. It doesn't end here. Right? It's your faith. It's not nothing special about the prayer. This is the beginning. When you surrender your life, it's justification. Just as though you've never sinned now, he washes it away. And now what I just mentioned, that sanctification process begins. And it's a walking out of the Lord every day, walking in that victory, walking in the authority, finding out how God made you living free. Not that if you know God personally, 
He wants you, he wants you to live free so you can find your purpose and begin to make a difference. Amen. Would you stand up with me as we close in prayer? Amen. You know, I think one of the things we need to hit on this morning as we all close and pray together, kind of the benediction, so to speak. How many of you would say, Brandon, you know what? I could, I, I could use more compassion and be less judgmental. Come on, I got, I got both my hands up. I'm, I'm a star. I'll be the first one right here. Amen. Come on, can we pray together? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Help me to have compassion. To have compassion on people, Lord. Especially, Lord, our brothers and sisters. Yes, they may be struggling with something different than we're struggling with. But, Lord, I pray you help us. Help us to walk with them by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts to restore them gently as they begin to come back and they know their sin, their error, and they're struggling. Lord, help us to lead them to you, the great and perfect high priest who can sympathize with us. Lord, I pray soften our hearts. Help us to be more like you in all that we do. Holy Spirit, we want to be more like Jesus. May we live a life that glorifies you and leads many to you. And we can make a difference that will last all through eternity. In the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus, I pray a blessing over all these as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. If you need prayer for anything else today, we'll be up here. If not, enjoy the rest of your day. Any middle school or high schoolers, don't forget about the youth lunch. Jay Building, y'all have a great day. We love you guys.